Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Drink it in, man. Deep left side carry on. Picks on the block. At the five. At the two. At the one to the end zone. Touchdown, Detroit Lions. Drink it in, man. Get up, Stafford throws. It is end zone. Caught! Oh, baby, what a catch! Kenny Gallagher, you're a freak! What a catch! Touchdown, Detroit Lions! Cornbread! I love the Lions! Say it with me! I love the Lions! Detroit Kool-Aid, what is going on? It's a Friday. It's a TGIF for Grifka. He's back in the building. Grifka, I just stole your cut catchphrase. We're talking Lions. What the heck's going on, buddy? Like you said, man, TGIF, man. It's Friday. Weekend's right around the corner. <laughs> That's always a good thing, man. I don't know if there's a harder working podcast, man. We say we're the, the people's, we're the uh, Detroit Lions fans podcast, and uh, nobody's dropping two, three, four shows a week. I mean, Krifka, I'm on three shows a week minimum, and then I'm, I'm, I'm giving the people bonus content, too. I mean, we, we're pumping out the, uh, the podcast for, for the people. Yeah, it's, uh, it's that time of year, though, you know, like football's right around the corner, you know, summer's coming, so uh, that... Uh, it's, it's uh, nice to get the the content out there. Yeah, just imagine what I might come up with when there's actual football games going on. But but we know uh, you know you'll still at least just show up for the show. I mean I I can't count on you for much else, right? Oh, I might I might break down some other stuff. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> all right, you're on the billboard, isn't that what you told me last time? Yeah, my face on the billboard. <laughs> oh boy, that's that's not good for traffic. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's uh, let's dive into this, man. What are we doing again? We're doing another mailbag, right? Yeah, I was going to have a rant today, but uh, we'll save that for another show because I know that people like it when I start complaining about other teams that get all the pub and how the lines get uh, how the lines get uh, dissed by uh, everybody out there in media land. But uh, let's not do that, man. Let's uh, let's go with the positive answer. Some more questions from you know from the mailbag. So, so you just teased the Grifka rant, but you're not going to give it to the people. You're going to make them uh, come back to hear you uh, go on and on about something. Yeah, I have to, so that means I have to figure out next week if I want to do two rants or just just one. So the, the Grifka, I one, you make it the Grifka rants, one aren't bad and two are good because uh, it just stirs me up. Then I have to yell at you about your rant, and then you rant at me about the rant that I just did on you, and it becomes a whole show. So <laughs> yeah, 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 that can be a good and or bad thing. So. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, let's just jump right in the back here. So uh, yeah. first one comes from for for the C stands for cool breeze, and that's at uh, okay. easy does it twenty twenty seven. Right. right, it's kind of like reading the license plate right there. Easy does. So uh, question is, who will win more games for us, the offense or the defense? Oh man, easy does it twenty seven. I, I love this question. I love that you're taking kind of a different approach of. You know, uh, who's going to be more dominant? Like, what are we going to look at come maybe mid-early season and say, wow, Lions can hang their hat on this? I mean, I think it's definitely got to be the uh, defense. We, we've said it many times on this show, you know, barring everybody being back and ready to rock and roll, uh, you know, they should lean on their defense. And, man, Grifka, I think the offense is the big 
elephant in the room, the big question mark. I mean, are you expecting explosive, great creative things, or are you thinking that you're going to be uh, frustrated as you often are by uh, week eight? I'm hoping for the ground and pound method, though it sounds like they want to do to work. So it will lead to those play action plays where uh, um, Marvin Jones, Galladay, maybe your boy Fulgham can, uh, you know, user speed, get downfield and, uh, you know, have those big explosive plays. It seems like the lines have been lacking the last couple of years since your boy uh, Calvin left. <laughs> it's funny you bring it up because, uh, like I said, I was just thinking the other day, like, remember when I said on the show that, like, we've never had in my lifetime as a Lions fan a bang it, run it, play hard defense type of team. It's always been like, oh, let's get weapons, let's throw it around, let's uh, get gadget players. I mean, that would be fun, wouldn't it, for us to just come in and just absolutely hurt people for the first six, eight games, and people would be like, oh my, the Detroit Lions are coming into our house and we don't like it. Yeah, the best thing about that, like if you have a team like that, there's always a point in the game where you just break the other team's spirit, right. and they just don't want to be there anymore, and there's always a point in the game where you can tell it happens. And uh, actually, the best the best uh, show I've ever seen do that is the NFL Network when they do the turning point because uh, they always show clips and then they always show like the major one. It just seems like the backbreaker. So uh, um, it's fun to watch that. That'd be tremendous. And like you said, I don't even know what I, if I would know what to do with myself if, if we became that type of football team with a lot of grit, a lot of uh, just nastiness. That, that would be great. Like as much as we've talked about Stafford and, oh, I'd love to see him bounce back. I wouldn't even care what his stats were if I just knew we were going to come in and maul people every week. That'd be great. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would like it also where we don't have to be like worried that the defense is on the field late in the game. Like, okay, just leave us time where Stafford can go down and do some miracle thing. Where just like, you know, there's like three minutes left in the game. The other team needs to like drive the field and they go like three and out or like four and out or something. You know, they get like one first down, but they really don't put anything together and it's like the defense is out there putting pressure on them stopping everything that would that would be really nice to see out of this defense right so to put a quick bow on this like i think the defense will sort of quote unquote win us more games but i think it'd be really fun as griffka just noted if the offense could finish and win games where like the defense takes care of it they get it back to our offense with four six minutes left and we just pound them into the ground take the kneel down um, that'd be great. But, uh, yeah, hopefully they'll work together. But let's lean on our D and get this offense rolling. Uh, run or pass, doesn't matter. So Exactly. Um, next question comes from 3 Corey Legro. That's at Silver, Silver underscore Rush 67. Uh, are the Lions good with QB Savage leading this team if Staffers goes down due to injury? Or uh, do you see a more seasoned backup coming in? I'm a, I'm I'm a proponent and have been for a while of sort of, gosh, the backup quarterback's so tricky because you don't really want to put a bunch of resources into it, and we've been fortunate that Stafford stayed out there. But I guess over the last couple of years, I've sort of been like, man, I'd really love to see a little bit better football player there so that, you know, there doesn't have to be a ruthless competition, but just a guy that's really making plays on the practice field, keeping Stafford honest. And we've always just sort of had a lackey back there. But I I like what Savage brings to the table, to be honest. He, he seems to have a better than average arm. He's a, somewhat of a vet. He seems like a guy that like he has started and has wanted to play, but now he's sort of in this role. So I, I'm pretty good with Tom Savage. I think we could be fine with him. I don't think there's many other better options out there. And uh, even if there was a really good option, like I think we've sort of come to the fact that you're going to live or die with number nine until you're not. And right now we are, and I think you'll get the job done. So the backup is sort of just a clipboard holder, help me with tape type of guy. And I think Savage will, will actually do well in that role. Uh, get the bell out. I agree with you on that. Um, I know a lot of people always just want like some dominant backup, but one, you only play one quarterback, and that guy, just your backup, just needs to be serviceable, and I think Tom Savage is more than serviceable. I know we always say it if, if Stafford goes down, the Lions are in trouble. That's It's almost that way with like any team. I mean, sometimes you get lucky and your backup can carry you. I mean, we've seen it happen with the Philadelphia Eagles, but uh, that's, that's more of the anomaly than the uh, than, than the norm. So I think Savage is a capable backup. If Stafford goes down, he's, I don't think he's going to lead you to any shootouts or anything like that. So that would be one where you're going to want your running game to uh, really carry you at that point. Yep, I agree. 
Uh, next question comes from Two Hail Mary, I Ain't Lion, forward down the field, uh, <laughs> at L Amos underscore Mary. Uh, this is a good question. I like this one. Do you think the majority of wins will come in the first or second half of the season? Yeah, this is kind of like the first one. Uh, just a unique approach on it. I mean, the easy answer and the answer I hope most Lions fans have is we don't care when they come, how they come. Uh, we just want victories. So first half of the season, last half, last end of game, you know, uh, win by 40, it doesn't matter. Um, if I have to pick one here, I mean, I want these wins in the back half of the season. I, I, I love what Matt Pat's had to say about, you know, this weird Patriots approach where, like, they're not even too worried about the big preseason or the beginning of the year, to be honest. Probably those first four games plus the preseason are kind of like, hey, Let's get ourselves rolling. Let's continue to get ourselves in shape. Let's continue to sort of work on getting things rolling. And then by, he usually says, kind of around that November, maybe a little before Turkey Day, you're really turning it up. You got November, December, January. And then you really want to be hitting on all cylinders there at the end. So if I have to pick one, let's be rolling at the end of the year. Let's not give away games early, but let's not worry as much about those as we do mid and end of season because – that's going to be when the division's on the line. That's when a home playoff game's going to be on the line. And when we get in the dance this year, Griff and we win a playoff game, yeah, you heard me right. Um, that's when you got to be playing your best um, when Ford Field is rocking and when you got something on the line. So uh, definitely second half and beyond. Um, right. Wins in the second half are huge simply because you get rolling. I just hope it's one of those things where – the first half of the season, I believe the offense is still going to be getting their, their feet underneath them, and the defense is going to have to carry them. Plus, the first half of the schedule is, is pretty tough. So, um, yeah, I, w- I would go along and say more wins will come in the second half. Plus, hopefully the team's rolling. they got a lot of confidence built up. It doesn't matter who they're playing. They're not fearing anybody. And uh, leads them to uh, NFC North um, dumb division title and a uh, home playoff game where we'll be sitting there cheering them on as they win that home playoff game. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, next question. This is a question from Linda Ballantyne. Will Matthew Stafford ever lead the Lions to a playoff win? Oh, Linda, another another big baller, a big big topic type of question. I mean, man, you hear us every week on the Detroit Kool Aid Cast talk about this uh, Matt Stafford house. We support him. Like we really want him to be a top level quarterback. Does he have to be top five? No. Does he have to be elite? Not necessarily, but does he have to be better than he's been? Absolutely. Will he ever uh, lead us to a playoff win? Man, I I definitely think that's happening. I mean, it's been disappointing, to be perfectly honest, that it hasn't happened up to this point. I mean, I remember those first handful of years, him at quarterback, we were just so enthralled with the numbers he was putting up, the moxie he seemed to have, the ability, and then it was kind of like, all right, we still are getting – whooped if we do get to the playoffs and then the last few years after that it was kind of like all right he's changing his game he's protecting the football more but we still weren't able to win the big game now here we're at where uh, all those crazy reports came out Grifka, about him playing with a broken back I mean I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about that on a different show but um you know I I guess I just expect a really different guy this year he's got a, a different type of football team a more solid more oh geez more more gritty team uh and he still has skill players so i think before it was one or the other and usually more of just the flashy guys uh i think he wins a playoff game in the next two years maybe three and then i think you know the ultimate goal he's always talked about wanting to bring a super bowl to detroit i mean i think we have a three to five year window for him to get that done and uh the sooner the better so i would love to see a deeper playoff run in the next three years than just one playoff win but yeah he gets it done pretty soon yeah um i have to agree with you i know get the bell out but considering we both just predicted a playoff win this year right um so i guess that would answer the question but uh like i mentioned on a previous show i believe the the window for this team is opening it's got a lot of young talent it's got some nice veteran leadership on it as well so 
yeah, like, I'm hoping it's like one of those runs where they just catch fire and they just kind of blow through everybody. And, you know, where Lions fans just aren't happy. It's like, yeah, we got into the wild card playoff. And then, oh, you know, then the next year there always seems to be like a fall off like it has in the past. But I think it's one of those teams once they become, you know, they get to that level that we're looking for them to get to, they're going to stay there for, they're going to stay there for a bit. And uh, Matt Pat, you know, he could be that coach to take us there and with sustained excellence where every year, you know, they dominate, you know, they get a lot of primetime games and uh, we, you know, ESPN, you know, starts to love on them a little more than just uh, the backhanded, you know, Hey, they're the lions. So uh, yeah, I believe Stafford will get them there within uh, the next year or two. And then, um, you know, Super Bowl bound, uh, you know, two to three years. Real quick before you do the next one, I want to just uh, back up your point. You said it a couple times about the window opening, and every time you say it, I'm kind of like, eh. Like, yeah, we have young talent, but it doesn't feel like the window's opening. It feels like it's sort of been open and we haven't taken advantage. But the more I think about it, with the quarterback under contract and younger defensive players, as well as some skill guys still, uh, you know, locked up and able to do some things, I think you're right. I think the window is kind of just opening for the next you know, three years or so. And uh, I think we have the right coach, the right GM and the right people to take advantage. So let's, let's uh, w- get through this window, Grifka, cause I agree it's, it's opening and uh, right for the picking. So let's do this. Exactly. Uh, next question. Hey, our boy Frank is back. One Frank rebel. That's Frank underscore rebel. His question is with a little follow up comment. What was the Lions' most important off season addition? He says, for, for me, it was uh, Daryl Bevel. Improving the offense is the key to more wins. And uh, the addition of a new capologist is very important as well. <laughs> so what do you believe? Well, one of my favorite things, uh, well, there's a couple favorite things. One, uh, thanking Frank for his question. Two, banging on Frank that he asks this question, but then answers his own question. Uh, so I always think that's funny, but, uh, Frank, I, I like your take on this cause you said most important off season addition, but most people, we even dealt with it on the other mailbag was kind of like, Oh, Trey flowers for Grifka. You know, I've got the uh, Coleman there in the slot. I love how you, you said addition, but then you went with the coordinator because, yeah, man, when you really break it down, like, what was our problem on offense? What were people complaining about the last few years? You know, not imaginative, not really doing anything. Okay, yeah, maybe there were injuries and things that prevented Jim Bob from doing what he ultimately wanted to do. But a new voice, a new system, a system that's somewhat, you know, proven, much more proven than JBC ever was. And uh, I, I like that answer, man. He's a great offseason addition, and you know, hope we look back and say, yeah, he was the most important um, the capologist part, you know, not too worried about that because, you know, all these guys are, are pretty good at that. The Lions have really dug out of a nice hole. I remember if you guys remember a few years ago, you know, lots of dead cap, lots of mismanaged contracts and things. I think we've been really solid with that across the board, not only with drafting young talent, but paying people appropriately. And uh, I think we're doing well there. But, yeah, Daryl Bevel, most important offseason addition, Frank, uh, I'll uh, agree with you, and I'll even give you a Griff Cabell because he usually agrees with me. Well, since I, I don't want to agree with you, I think the biggest uh, the biggest addition will be all the uh, all the new players that they put on the defense, like to fill the holes. It's it's got to be it. I mean, yeah, it was decent. It, it went from porous to um, you know definitely better near the end of last season, but with the addition of. Uh, Coleman at the at the nickel flowers um those got to be the the biggest ones right there just to shore up those spots on the defense and hopefully Rashad Melvin I know we've talked about him before is you know he's 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 more Darius Slay than he is uh, DJ Hayden so uh um I I think those got to be the most important just shoring up that defense no retort (laughs) Sounds good, man. I, I think we've used the I agree with you more than a couple times, so I, I was okay. going to let it hang. But, uh, yeah, good good, good stuff, Gripka. Cool. Great answer. Um, next question comes from 3Greg Roberts. That's at Naughty Boy 66 are, are we glad that it's not 3Mike Roberts? <laughs> not me, because Mike Roberts is still my guy. He's still, got some, he's still got some ability. It's okay, man. When you go to pick up your bucket of chicken this weekend, he'll be more than happy to hand it to you. <laughs> Uh, a few extra napkins, big money. <laughs> you got honey in there for the biscuits, right? 
Grifka, I get so mad. I've I try not to go to KFC, but when I go there, not only do they always forget something, but like, is it really that hard to put? Give me a couple napkins. Give me that little uh, thing with the fork in it, and yeah. They know there's a biscuit in there, and you always got to ask for the honey. They like trying to hoard the honey. Like, give me two honey packets. Let's go. The best part is like when you're like, can you give me two? Yeah, that second one will be 35 cents more. <laughs> it's like, what are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Come on, really? <clears throat> you know? Come on. Yeah, Just true. give me the one that somebody was going to throw away before that they didn't use because they don't like honey. I mean, you ain't losing nothing there. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. So, uh, Greg's question is, pocket presence, getting rid of the ball, has always been an issue with Stafford long before Cooter. Losing fumbles as a result is one of nine's weaknesses which he needs to improve on. What is he asking of Bevel to help improve Stafford's pocket presence and better protect Stafford? Oh, man. It's another really good question. I'm not going to do our whole reset of what we've talked about before, but one of my big pet peeves with Stafford is his pocket presence. I mean, the guy... uh, he seems to get rattled. He seems to get off his spot. You know, he has used his legs, you know, when he's barely been rolling. You go and get a first down or get out of the pocket and move forward. But I just want you to dodge some pressure and, and use that arm of yours and put it in some nice uh, windows and, and squeeze it in there to some receivers. So I think uh, he's got to get a lot better there. What do you say? What would Bevel do to improve it? He kind of said, um, man, I think – We've been saying it for a couple of years about this O-line. They put resources there. I think they've been good to average. They have not been better than average. They haven't been great by any means. I mean, when you say Grifka, they haven't been that. Uh, They're not that great. <laughs> uh, I think they can be much better. I think you, again, uh, not only knock it, but just sort of don't get it that TJ Hawkinson is really going to help in that area as an extra lineman, as a guy that, okay, maybe he's lined up with the tackle, but then he sprints out up the middle on you and the defense is just absolutely screwed. So um, I, I just think a better O-line, uh, the outlet of TJ um, Hawkinson is going to be huge. And uh, yeah, hopefully that's something Matt Stafford put on his priority list. Like work on your feet. Everyone talks about, he seems to be in better condition and better, you know, what quarterback position is about feel. It's about, ducking and dodging and sliding up in the pocket and all these things that the greats do that he really hasn't done. I mean, he sometimes will make a play outside, but uh, to me, it's not consistent enough. It's not smooth enough. And I think Bevel will work on that. The O-line and the outlets will be better. And Matt Stafford just has to make that a priority. You can throw it. You can do almost everything else we want you to do, but you've got to get calm, cool, and you've got to be able to move in the pocket or else, you know, it's not going to go well. So, it's got to be better. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to recap your answer, but I think the biggest thing will be just kind of taking the pressure off him. You know, showing up the defense where they're not playing from behind so quickly where he has to come out and do everything. A better offensive line, establishing the run more, making it easier for him to, you know, milk the clock, you know, just hand the ball off. You have a dominant run game where he doesn't have to go out and make all the plays. I mean, it's hard when you're down by 14 in the fourth quarter and the defense just knows that it's like we can pin our ears back and go for it because you need to you need to score quickly. You know, it's stuff like that that gets them rattled. You know, having the defense, you know, like we like we hoping, like like we said, dominate games, put teams away early where he can come out. We got the ball. We're just going to jam it down your throat. Okay, so it's we got a third and three. We can just run a little outlet pass here or something, some quick hitter to get rid of the ball. You know, just to take the pressure off him where he's not, you know, has to wait for those long pass routes to develop where it gives, you know, defensive linemen, linebackers blitzing time to get on him. Because like you said, when he gets rattled and – when he's out of, I don't want to say out of his element, but when he's back, you're dropping back three, you know, three plays in a row when the defense knows it, it's just easier for defenses to get in his head. And um, I, I think improving the defense, offensive line, better run game will definitely help him there. Yeah, good stuff, man. Let's keep this thing moving. Yep. Uh, question from uh, Five Wooden Tune. That's uh, at Wooden Tune 2. Um, just out of the blue, how many O-line do you think uh, – Matt, Pat, and Bob Quinn will keep on the 53-man roster? Eight, nine, or more? Oh, man, a good roster question. Uh, This is, man, we just need to, when we get into dollars and cents, I think we'll break some of these uh, numbers down. How many do you keep? What salaries are worth it? Ages, all that stuff. 
I'm not exactly sure. I'm just thinking out loud. So you got your you got your five starters. You got your swing tackle at six. You've got a swing guard or even a center. So that's seven that you keep. I mean, seven minimum. I, I would think we, we talked a lot about Bo uh, Benchwell on the last show. Gosh, man, maybe they could keep up to nine, you know, to try to keep a guy like that with some upside and, and it came from a great program, obviously can play. I think it all depends how comfortable they are at the end of camp with that spot as well as, uh, you know, the other spots. Where do they need a guy? Where do they not? So I, if I had to go conservative, I'd say probably eight. Um, nine is a high end and, and maybe they get real aggressive and just keep one swing tackle, one swing guard, and then maybe a practice squad guy. Um so maybe they go with seven. I don't know. Um, but I'm going to go with eight in this answer. Yeah. Um, I'm also going to go with eight. So and you, I, the, I agree with you. Um, I think the only way they keep nine is if like we talked about, like you brought up Bo Benchwell. If he has good tape in the preseason, I don't think he's a guy that you can hide on the practice squad. It, I mean, what the story was, what he had 20 different offers. So, I mean, everybody knows if you go on the practice squad, you can be instantaneously signed by another team and you really can't, you know, stop it unless, you know, you want to hide it. You got to put him on your roster. So if he has good tape, even if he might be, might be behind another guy or two in that interior line, if it's one of those things like coaches are like, you know, we can't lose this guy, he would be the ninth guy. Other than that, if it's one of those things like, yeah, he's average, you know, you know, if, if it's okay if he goes somewhere else, yeah, we'll try to put him on the practice squad, but if you signed, okay. Um, I, I think it's eight, but it, the only way it's nine is I think if they keep both. Grifka, is, is there an echo uh, on your side or is it just me? Go ahead. No, I, I want to agree with you on that. <laughs> Like you said, man, we're just on the same wavelength. There's nothing to really debate on these questions. Right, They're good okay. questions. Scary. They're great questions. But uh, Anytime you agree with me, I'm frightened. Okay. I'll try to disagree with you on this one then. So, <laughs> All right. Next question is from Six Less is Roar at Less is Roar. Question, what should we expect from Bevel's offense? Now, he did answer it. It says, I'm expecting a Patriot a Patriot-esque approach where it is fairly balanced, slightly more run-heavy while exposing teams with bad DBs and throwing 30-plus times in three or four games. That's what uh, Six Lesses Roar is looking at. What are you thinking out of this offense? I uh, I agree with Lesses Roar here. I think that, um, you know, we are going to... Oh, geez. It's going to depend on the opponent. Like, there'll be days where we'll we'll grind it out and run the football, you know, 30 times, you know, uh, straight up your throat. There'll be times where we'll spread you out, throw it 40 times, not 30 times. I could see him throwing it 40-plus times against those type of teams that either, as they stated, don't have good corners or, you know, have a good run defense or whatever the case may be, maybe uh, even just to get a quick lead. I know sometimes the Patriots would come out and just take care of an opponent early, you know, by putting up a ton of points passing and then they can just sort of take their foot off the pedal late in the game and get a victory against some of the, some of the teams, you know, they were better than, no, I don't think the lions are really in that situation. Like every game should be just an urgent matter to get it done. But uh, yeah, I see a totally diverse offense. I see uh, them doing all types of different things this year with a little bit of a lean, as he said, I think to the, to the run, I think that, the Lions have never done that. This is the time to do it. Carry on's the guy to do it with. Lean towards running, play action. But hey, you know if Matt Stafford's got to throw it 40, 50 times, he doesn't mind that either. Yeah. Uh, what I really like if, if we go if we if we go Patriot esque, what I always like, you watch like pregames, you know, because once again, big Tom Brady fan, big Michigan fan, so I like to watch Tom Brady play. It's like they play those teams that have like high powered offenses. And like the pregames are always like, well, yeah going to try to run the ball here and keep, you know, Kansas City off the field, Pat Mahomes, blah, blah, blah. And then they'll go out there, and Tom Brady's just slinging it around, and they put up like 40 points. It's just, I love stuff like that, where it's just like they, they totally get it wrong because people are expecting, you know, they're expecting one thing. It's like, oh, no, they're going to have to ground and pound. They're going to have to milk the clock. Thing. And Tom Brady's just out there chucking it around. And then there's like some other time it's just like, well, you know, they should be able to pass on these guys. It shouldn't be a problem. Their DBs aren't that good. They give up, you know, you know they're the, fir- the fifth worst pass defense in the league. And they're like, okay, you know, this is where like the Patriots always use their stable of running backs and just, you know, pound them into oblivion <laughs> early in the game. It's like, I really hope stuff like that happens where just like 
you know, obviously the team thinks like, oh, yeah, we're going to have to really cover our defensive backs this time, you know, and this is what we're going to do. We'll, we'll leave somebody else in the defensive backfield so it leaves one less guy in the box, and then the Patriots just come out and jam it down their throat. But the team knows just as soon as they drop somebody, that totally leaves their defensive backfield exposed, and Tom Brady's going to throw all over them. So they kind of have to keep doing that stuff. So I really hope that's what happens this year, as opposed to like, well, you know, their run defense is the worst in the <laughs> league, so expect the Lions to just ground and pound it all game. But you know, forget it, man. That's what they know. It. The, the other team knows they suck on they, they can't stop the run. All right, so they're going to put right, more guys right. in the box. Well, don't, don't play into their hand. Go throw the ball around on them then. I mean, they all know it. I mean, the other team knows what they're bad at, so they try to hide it with other players when they okay, know the okay. sucks. I mean, God, that's what I'm hoping every, for. That's what every, I want. I don't want. I don't want the vanilla stuff. There, everybody. I, I don't know if that agrees with you or not, but I try to be. Everybody, different. if you missed Grifka's take the first six times, he thinks that they're going to maybe buck the system and go against the system at times. There you go. Next question. See, but my way sounded so much better than your. Yeah, yeah I, I liked right it the there. first time, not not the seventh. Let's go. Sweet, awesome to hear. Uh, next question uh, comes from Seven Same New Lions at Same New Lions. Will improved cornerback two and nickel cornerback play play lead to more time for pass rushers to get in Maddie P's manufactured pressure system, or will the lack of ability to quickly get to QBs place more pressure on QB two? Oh, Grifka, I don't think I heard the question because this whole time, I don't know what it is. I remember you the first time we had you on the show to now. You're you're developing this funny radio voice. Like when you <laughs> when you debut their, their Twitter handles, I don't know what it is. It makes me laugh every time, especially when you do your solo shows. It's like DJ Grifka comes out like you're at the local radio station doing the 11 o'clock uh, to 2 a.m. shift. Oh, man, it makes me laugh. Okay. <laughs> well, I can do this voice for you if you want to hear now, put your hands together for Cinnamon. Come on to the stage. We're going to play a little T-Y-Boy. Come on. Get, put, get your money out. She'll be waiting for you. Come on. When she's done. That was Cinnamon coming to the stage. Savannah. Savannah is on deck. Savannah, come to the stage. Oh, oh tremendous. Oh, my gosh. It's, it's funny. I don't know what it is. I mean, like, say, you're much more polished at times than me with pronouncing things and sort of working your way through, but it makes me laugh. I, and then that, that the bit you just did makes me wonder what you did in a previous life before I knew you. But uh, anyway, we'll keep this thing moving. Let me let me rethink about this question. Something about the cornerback, too, and the uh, getting being able to cover when we get pressure or something like that. <laughs> right. Um, will the improved cornerback and nickel cornerback play lead more time for pass rushers to get home okay. and manage manufactured pressure systems? Or will they lack of the ability <laughs> of, you know, hurt QBT? See, everybody, that was kind of like a Grifka answer. He, he, he had to say it multiple times, uh, but to help me out that time. So, uh, you know, yeah, I, I, you know, well, what's the saying, Grifka? The, the front and the back work together. You know, when it comes to the defense, you know, you hear yeah. Sap say that. You hear Dion people say that. I think uh, I think they're right. I think that, yeah, corners are going to help get your pressure there. A great pass rush is going to speed up the quarterback and get the ball out, um, neither of which we've been very great at the last couple of years, uh, just not getting – pressures not being able to cover anybody so yeah i think the corners will help the pressure i think the pressure will help the corners so that number two corner cornerback two opposite of Soleil. i don't know how many times we got to mention it it's kind of the wild card but uh i'm pretty confident they'll have a pretty solid player out there and last time i checked it can't get much worse than you know who nevin lawson or your boy mike ford out there so i i feel like we'll be better regardless you could put a uh you know what do you say one of those cardboard cutouts up there we might be better <laughs> yeah um I, i'm just gonna say this i agree with you on that and once again it's scary but uh, uh that's enough of that question I, I already i already got to do my other voice for you on this one so let's uh let's uh let's knock out a few more questions here before we uh finish this up yeah, this one is from uh 10 greg roberts uh again at uh, at naughty boy 66 um how do you feel about rag now being at center he is psyched by the way <laughs> well uh what what makes me laugh is that naughty boy sixty six wrote in right after you did that impression that you just did. Uh, there's some kind of correlation there, I think, with the, with the two. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I uh, again, are we psyched about Ragnar at center? I think it was really um, surprising. You know, I think that 
I, I think everybody, when they saw those pitchers, didn't think too much of it. And then, you know, he continues to play there. He continues to play there. I still think there's a little bit of a uh, chance that they just revert back and maybe he's not playing center. You know, maybe, you know, this is all uh, just get your reps in when no one cares type of thing and that he could not play there. I'm not saying I want that. I'm saying it wouldn't shock me, you know, if they just kind of said, okay, like you got your time, but we'll put uh, Glasgow back there. You move back to left guard. We'll put Wiggins or whoever at right and just roll with it. Uh, and then if we need to change it up in season, we know we can do that. But, uh, yeah, I would love to see Frank anchor in the middle. I'd love to see him making the calls. I'd love to see him getting a lot more physical inside. I felt like last year he was kind of defensive where he was getting – he was reacting to the D rather than imposing his will, which I'd like to see on, on the other team. But uh, I'm definitely psyched about Frank at center. That's sort of why I like to draft it. I feel like center and tackle or left tackle are your two main spots in the old line, and um, would love to see him see him in there for years to come. Yeah. Once again, uh, I'm, here I'm going to give you the word. Stoked. <laughs> if he's more comfortable – if he's more comfortable at center than he was at left guard, I'm all for it. And we, we did see a few games last year where he, he really seemed to dominate on the run and struggle with the pass, especially with um, stunts. Now, I know with centers, you have to obviously make the line calls. And there are times where you need to pick up stunts, especially on wraparounds and things like that. But uh, if he's more comfortable at center and can see it better coming, can only help the team. So, I'd have to say, like, if, if Glasgow doesn't have a problem with it, I think Glasgow obviously can play any of those positions in there. And, um, and Ragnar's just like, yeah, I'm more comfortable at this. You know, I can call it out. I can do all that. You know, I'm stoked for it. Perfect, man. The, me, the people, all the Kool-Aid drinkers love it when you're uh, stoked. I mean, again, you're the only person I know that uses that word. But <laughs> There you go. Um, next question comes from 12Brent38139, at Brent38139. <laughs> I'm dying to know who Brent 38138 is, though. Um. Dude, that's my number. You got to change it, dude. Somebody's already took that one. Okay. You think he worked his way all the way up from one? No, Brent, love the question that's coming, but, you know, just like one's already taken, two, three, and he's like, he's like, he's stoked when he gets to 381. Yes, it's available. <laughs> Dad, must be stronger password. Son of a! I'm not gonna remember that. Oh my gosh! Perfect. Anyways, I like Brent. This is a great question. Um, do you think Flowers and Bryant will will get to the quarterback pressures? Have more sacks than last year? And uh, who do you think will be the starting front seven for the Lions defense this season? I'm surprised you put Bryant's name in there just because he's a rookie. And as Grifka, you often say, he hasn't really done anything or he's just a prospect at this point. But uh, he put him and Flowers in there like those are our starting edge rushers, basically. I mean, last time I checked, Kennard, Aquara, um, you know, even the interior guys, Ashawn and uh, snacks and all those guys are really where a lot of the pressures and things are going to come from. Uh, I'm really excited to see Austin Bryant. You know, I'm he's a wild card to me of, you know, how do they use him? Like, is he going to be a great – and if, I think there's a lot of upside with this guy. I've even learned some things after they took him of kind of reading up and seeing the way he plays, you know, uh, got some insight more on that even than I had had ended the draft. So um, back to his question, I mean – yeah, I think you're going to see more pressures. I think you're going to see more sacks. The numbers will be there, I think, you know, when it's all said and done. But, you know, like you said, more so than sacks, just really creating havoc. I'd love to see when you're talking starting, you know, front seven. I mean, not too unique here, but I think you're going to have a quar on one end. You're going to have a big tray on the other end. You're going to get in the middle with a and, uh, and snacks there. Your, your linebackers are going to be my boy Jared Davis in the middle, calling that defense, uh, working his tail off, being a, a beast. And uh, you're going to have Kennard on one side, who's a edge rusher slash, you know, guy that can still be stout against the run. And then that leaves one other spot. You know, who is on that other side? I mean, you know, I guess me and you just talking right now. The easy answer is Christian Jones, but the aggressive answer is. Let's get Tavai in there, baby. Everybody said he looked like he belonged. He moved well. 
find a way to mix and match him and Jared Davis, and let's get both those guys on the field as well as a rusher. I think you could leave those two guys in the middle and say, okay, you guys cover and tackle. It really frees up both Kennard and Austin Bryant to edge rush. So uh, that's my double dip answer right there. Uh, thank you, Brent three eight one three nine. Yeah, I I definitely think there'll be more pressures with this defense and with the talent they've added in the front seven. I'm with you on that, and I know you've looked at it saying Christian Jones. He you know if you look at his numbers, he wasn't that bad, but it just seems like there was a lot of games like. You didn't know he was on the field. So I'm with you, man. Put Devai out there. I mean, you know, I'm sure like Christian Jones is hungry as well, but you know, you got Tavai for a reason. Put him out there. Let's see what he can do. If it's one of those things where you think he's better a middle linebacker and you want to put Davis on the outside, because I know there was talk of that before the draft as well. Fine, do that. But uh it just seemed like there were a lot of games last year, like you're looking around the Christian Jones on the field. I mean, what, you know, is he starting? Is he hurt? And you didn't know he was out there, so and real quick, I know we yeah. got a couple more questions and we'll close the show down, but what I love about our linebackers is how big. That was my big thing. Remember when we kind of ran into Christian Jones at camp? That's a big dude, man. Like, uh, you know, Jared Davis is is pretty big when it comes to NFL linebackers with the kind of speed he has. Tavai is big. Like, um, Kennard is a big dude. Like, I love our size and that they're still pretty athletic. You know, you're not going to be, you know, Deion Jones when you have those type of guys, but those guys can thump. They can run and cover. Like, I'm excited about that linebacker core. Like you said, a couple more questions and uh, we'll get out of here for today. Uh, this one's from 13 Gloria's Daughter at, at that Girl Friday. Do you think Bauden will play at all this year? Dude seems to be injured again and never healed from the injury from last year. Heck yeah. I mean, before I give a quick answer on this, uh, Gloria's daughter, man, she's a big Lions fan. I always see her on Twitter uh, liking people's stuff, sort of having takes. So we appreciate the support from her and everybody that's asked good questions today. Uh, Bodden's my guy, man. Like, I think everybody's just written him off because you haven't seen him because a fullback isn't that important. And, you know, okay, I think he ripped his knee up. Like, that happens. Like, he's not like it's been two, three years he's been injured. This guy's a force in the run game. He's a really big guy for the fullback position. I really hope that he plays well because if you don't play well in camp, I could see coaches sort of having a quick trigger and saying, oh, I guess we don't need a fullback. We'll put Joe Dahl back there. It's like, no, I want Bodden on this team. I want him pounding linebackers in front of carry-on. And, uh, yeah, you got to make that draft pick worth it and a big, nasty fullback I enjoy. So uh, Nick Bodden, big fan. think you're going to see good things and, and surprise that people would sort of be on edge about him already. Uh, right. I think, uh, yeah, they obviously draft him for a reason. They they have to have something for him. But if it's if it's one of those things like if he's not performing like they expect him to be, he may have the short leash. I mean, not a lot of plays for fullback this, you know, in football nowadays, you know, it being a copycat league. So uh, it's not about plays. It's not about like getting him the ball. It's just about him lining up and blocking. You know, we we it's another great right. blocker along with our O line, along with TJ Hawkinson. Like, right, but let's if, kill people. if you're talking a lot of two tight end sets and you you got Danny Amendola out there, I mean, it's just there's somebody can't be on the field. So right, but it's just situation. I mean, I mean uh, when when we're early downs, you're you're bringing in the heavy sets as needed, and then when we need, we'll spread them out. You know, I think it's that multiple stuff they talk about. But I'm a Bodden guy. The okay. bottom line. Okay, last question, man. Let's wrap this up. Get the final lap bell like they do out of track. Uh, this one's from 16 Night Train Lane U at Lane underscore Night. Tough question. We don't use the cap space. Can we redo a contract to front load it and reduce future cap? This is for you, Derek. <laughs> Thank you, Grifka. More than just a, hey, is this player good? Those are the ones I give to you. Um, you, you know, I think. I think this is a guy thinking next level. He's sort of thinking, uh, okay, like everyone's saying, who are we going to sign? Who are we going to bring in? They could definitely take this money and use it in multiple ways. They could, you know, make a few players happy, slay and snacks, or they could, you know, sort of redo some deals, push some money around. I'd be surprised if they don't do something because – 
the 20 to 30 million bucks they have sort of just sitting there is way too much in my book. I was listening to a show the other day and they had Dimitrov on for the Falcons GM. And he was saying that his, his owner tells him to go basically spend right up to the cap. He's like, I'm so lucky. I'm not one of those teams where the owner makes me keep like 40, 50 million in the bank and, you know, for a rainy day or unusable. And, and I don't think the lions are like that either. I think that, Bob Quinn's just being trying to be smart about the money and also, you know, always wants to be able to attack something when and if needed. Like even right now, the reason I'm not worried about the holdouts is because the money's there. I mean, push really comes to shove. It's not like we're right up against it and we're just like, sorry, fellas, nothing we can do. We'll trade you or we're going to have to cut you if you're not going to play for what you're at. They have the availability to do something now. They just don't want to do it right off the top. You you work your way to that. So, yeah, I think they'll use this money to move some money around, could possibly redo some deals, front load them as the, as the question stated. But I think it's more to add a player or to take care of some of these contract issues or there's some guys coming up. Why not just take care of them ahead of time and get ahead of the curve as some teams often do too, like Philly and other teams are sort of getting ahead of the curve when it comes to salary cap and money. So uh, I absolutely love it. We'll, uh, we'll see what he does. I'm really intrigued by that. Yeah. It's a great question. It's, you know, like you said, out of the box thinking to be able to do that where people see like the contract numbers. And I know we have this coming up on our dollars and cents show, how contracts usually, you know, in, inflate near the end of it, which gives the team's leverage to cut them. But, uh, you know, this amount of cap space there, maybe it is one of those things where the lines do look to take care of a couple guys and, um, rework a little bit of that contract. Maybe somebody like a, you know, you know, rework Stafford's contract, something like that. Um, Maybe even Flowers, because Flowers isn't making a whole lot here, and it's more backloaded. So it's a great question. You know, like you said, a lot of, a lot of fans don't think that way. They just kind of see what's out there, and it's like, well, go sign somebody. You know, go get this guy. You know, at, at this point, that cap space that you have left, you know, there's nobody out there worth that. So uh, yeah, there's out guys you have to go sign. But uh, like you said, take care of some of your good boys in house, make them happy, and uh, go with it from there. Sounds good. Is that our is that our last one for the day, Griffin? Yeah, that's that's all of them right there. So uh, once again, people keep uh, sending in those questions in. We'll uh, you know somewhere down the road we'll do this again. Um, and I know you guys all probably missed me and Derek arguing. You know I did get on a tirade about the Lions' <laughs> offense, so uh, you, you did get a little bit of a rant there. So uh, you know there you go. But uh, I really like this. This was a this was a good idea hearing from uh, other fans that listen to us. Yeah, agreed. Uh, real quick, Grifka, just because you repeat yourself a million times doesn't mean it's a rant. Just want to let you know, maybe take a mental note, but uh, we will definitely get back to battling it out, I'm sure, as we get into dollars and cents and all our other stuff. I want to take a moment real quick for a couple things. I want to totally uh, thank everybody for their questions. Grifka, you know, I wanted to take a second out before we close the show up and say, it's crazy, man. I looked at it the other day. I think we're at like 130, 140 shows. Um you know, we have just got tens of thousands of listens uh, and growing every day, which is crazy. Like we have totally, uh, you know, we went from like never using Twitter. And then once we got this going, say, I guess we got to use Twitter. We got to get our show out there, like to just be at from go from like no followers. Cause all I did was use it to check lions info to now be up over 500 for our show account is, is pretty cool and continues to grow. So I just want to show a huge Thank you and a shout out to the Detroit Kool-Aid drinkers. I mean, are you with me on this, Griffka? It's really been a fun ride. We're going to keep this thing going and see how we can grow it and, and need the people to uh, to help us do that. Yeah, especially you conversing with the people on Twitter, throwing good questions out there. Like I said, you know, when, when you wake up and you got like, you know, you know, 30 or 40 missed, you know, tweets that because people are pinging on stuff that you're tagged and you got to go find them and read them all. It's uh really, really fun to do that. Yeah, man. And we, uh, we're doing all this like we weren't really that involved we were basically just doing getting the show off the ground last year when the season got rolling so like this will be our first season where we can really not only have this audience and these people that we just absolutely uh love the fans out there but um you know be able to talk about you know the camp and meet up with people maybe at camp and uh, you know me and Grifka are going to uh the opener we're going to turkey day we got a road trip planned for green bay wisconsin monday night football like are you kidding me like all these crazy things on the docket that are all coming up uh not only based on the podcast but just uh you know really diving into 
you know, our passion, which is Lions football, football in general, and just having fun. Like me and Griff, are buddies. We used to go forever without chatting. Now we get to chat twice a week about uh, Detroit Lions. It's tremendous. So um, just want to throw a big thank you out there. And Griff, I got one more thing before we go. Uh, what's that? Grifka, people are listening to this if it just dropped on Friday morning, right? Yep. So today at 12 noon is one of my favorite days on the freaking calendar. The Jim Rome smack off, Grifka. Like, I've been a Jim Rome guy since, man, I don't even know, all the way back almost like before, right when I got into college. Uh, really just my uncle actually was a fan and he told me check it out and like before i knew it i knew all the inside jokes like i was just in on everything and just love rome's style and i know you're a big fan as well grifka you're a big fan of the smack off right it's just a tremendous day where the the best of the best callers talk junk to each other and rome crowns a champion yeah, it's the best, like, when those best of the best show up and they get run. I love that when he runs them. Dude, you got an invite and you got run. It's just like, come on. Yeah, everything Rome does is funny. I mean, we try to pull little things from him, or we're hoping maybe down the road we get enough callers that we can have some fun, too, where he kind of creates these characters and has, you know, these people that can come on and talk junk, which is super fun. So, Grifka, I do not have a smack off call against you, but I did want to like tell the people if you've never checked out, you know, the Jim Rome smack off, or if you're a Jim Rome fan, but you didn't know tune in, he's on CBS sports now on TV or go old school. Like I like to do and just pull up the radio feed and listen to him. But I think everybody should check it out. And I think that's really what we want to bring to this podcast too, or like people that love the lions can have a take that doesn't suck and bring the noise. So Rifka, I don't know. We won't do it now. I was going to give the people sort of the ingredients for a good smack-off call, but maybe we'll do that in one of our shows. We'll tell people what makes a good uh, trash talk, smack talk call, even a, a good call on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. I'll hit that again of what we're looking for. And maybe me and you will battle it out with a, uh, a Detroit Kool-Aid cast smack-off against each other, and then maybe we can get some people involved uh, in the next, uh, you know, as we move down this road. What do you think about that as an idea? Yeah, this would be very interesting. The the uh, the Detroit Kool Aid. Uh, I don't know. We come up with a good name for it, but uh, like I said, I want to throw that out at the end. It's Friday. Um, this is a big day on the sports radio calendar. Check it out. I know a lot of people think it's crazy, but there's tons and tons of people that take the day off work. They're out grilling just to listen to this Jim Rome smack off. It's super fun. So I want to tell the people about it. I'll definitely be one of those off work, have the grill, get some food, sit down for three hours of radio gold. And if it's your first time, you might not get all the jokes, but I guarantee it'll still be incredible. And then you'll be hooked for life. So, um, Grifka, I'm going to enjoy that. I know you got some things going, but we're, we're going to make sure you check that out as well. And uh, I'm not going to run you from this show, but I have one thing that might get you racked, as Jim Rome would say, and that's Grifka. You got anything else for the people? Uh, nope. <sighs> All right. Well, cool. I thought it was a good show. Another good mailbag. Um, I got to take off. Grifka, thank you so much. Everybody that's listening, thank you. We'll uh, check you next week right here on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. Take care, everybody. And in the essence of Jim Rome, we're out. Back to back, start the plane. This game is over. It is over. What a comeback by the Lions. Drink it in, man.